in today's show. We're going to be talking NBA draft, and I'm joined by Keandre of the YouTube channel Hoop Intellect. Michael Bolton, what do you think? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. As I said, we're here talking NBA draft with Keandre. Uh, from Hoop Intellect. I'll link his channel in the uh, description of this show so you can go check out his show where he's got a bunch of breakdowns on players. We're going to be talking um, Ty Ty Washington, Mark Williams, um, Josh Minot, Orlando Robinson, amongst others. So, Warney? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's bring him in now. Keandre, Hoop Intellect, welcome to the show. Appreciate you for having me on. It's going to be good to dig into these prospects. And as I said before you came on, if you haven't checked out Keandre's channel at Hoop Intellect, go check it out. It is going to be linked in the description in the title of this show. So go check out all of his draft prospect profiles over there. But we're going to dig into some some specific players here today. And with everyone who I've had on to ask about the draft, I've gone with two main questions. Number one, who is a prospect who you are higher on than consensus? And your guy here is Ty, Ty Washington, the guard from Kentucky. Okay, so this is a draft class that is bereft of guards, of point guards especially, and we have seen over the years that Kentucky guards in general tend to underperform in college and outperform expectations. That's not a hard and fast rule because Marcus Teague exists, but this is something that has been a consistent theme over the last couple of years. So are you looking at the Kentucky system and Ty Ty and going, well, that that really hampered what he's able to do. And with NBA spacing, NBA coaching, he is going to be someone that yeah, jumps up like so many of those other guys have. Yeah, that's part of the appeal with him. I think, you know, you look at the type of role that he was playing next to Savio Wheeler, very much off the ball. You know, Wheeler was doing most of the distributing and, and playmaking, had the ball in his hands more. Um, I think that's part of it. But I also just kind of like the well-rounded nature of Ty Ty's game, just – um, his ability to to be solid at a number of things and um, great at, you know, those mid-range pull-ups, attacking quick off the catch, you know, as that defense is shifting, not wasting time. I think some of those things are are really um, projectable towards the next level and, and part of his, his appeal. Um, and then, you know, as a shooter, I really think that he's, you know, he shot 35% this year on about three attempts. I think that he has a much higher ceiling than that. You look at the touch on the floaters and, um, some of the that mid-range stuff, and, and it's pretty suggestive towards his um, ability to be able to stretch his game out um, to the three-point line. So that's something I really bank on too. But um, like I said, like we were talking before, um, just kind of the whole consensus uh, thing with some of these prospects, I'm not 100% sure at this point where like that really resides for Ty Ty. I think, you know, we would probably say what like 
um, 20s area for, yeah. for him at this point. Yep. Um, so I think that, you know, anywhere from starting like 15, 16 range, I think that's somewhere that you could uh, potentially start considering him. That's where I would say. Well, look, I've talked a lot on this show about the lack of point guards in this class and, and top level guys. And then when you get to pick 10 and pick 11 is the Washington Wizards and the New York Knicks who have definite holes there at that point guard spot. Is that too high for Ty Ty? Um, you know, just kind of depending on who's available and who's gone already, you've got guys like potentially Dyson Daniels, who's maybe there, or maybe he goes higher. I think, um, you know, some, some players, some talents like a, a Johnny Davis or a Jalen Duran, who, you know, whoever falls kind of to that range, it kind of makes things pretty, uh, muddy or, you know, whoever is in that range is going to make it, uh, a tough decision for them to make. But, um, you know, I would at least, you know, highly consider it for those um, kind of situations, just given his the role that he was in and, and potentially, you know, was a little bit more left for him to, for him to offer. A couple of things with Taito, we talk about, like, he only averaged 3.9 assists, which is not very much as a point guard. But as you said, he wasn't handling the ball a ton. And he does have a pretty strong assist to turnover ratio of almost 2.4, yeah, 3.9 assists versus 1.6 turnover. So that's yeah, more suggestive of the fact that he wasn't, wasn't that he wasn't generating assists. He just didn't have those opportunities to create those uh, passes and to run that offense as much. So that does give us a little bit of hope. The other thing that's a little bit interesting with him is that he is a freshman, Keandre, but he's going to turn 21 at the start of the season. Yep. So significantly older than a bunch of these other freshmen and older than a bunch of sophomores as well. What what was the reason for that? Why is he that year older than, or you know, two years older than, than a lot of these guys? When you talk about like Jalen Duran, who you just mentioned, like this is a, a two, two four years older than what Jalen Duran is. Um, and is that any level of like pauses to you know him as a freshman being this older? Not not that twenty one is old necessarily, but as a freshman player, it, it is a little bit um, abnormal to see someone at that age. Yeah, so I believe he's, you know, a little bit older in terms of like the class and everything just because of, you know, how he started in, in school in the U.S. and, and kind of how the grades shook out for him. But, um, you know, that is something that you have to kind of consider with his overall upside and just being a little bit older than the rest of those guys. But I always kind of take a, a little bit of this approach of being like he's also never played at this college level um, the same way that these other guys have. So there's kind of that learning or growth curve that um we don't always talk about um the bigger thing i think with him that i would be most concerned with or like kind of retract and i understand why some people would be just a little bit lower on him is because of his you know inability to like really generate great rim pressure or separation um and obviously for a lead guard that's one of the the bigger things that you want out of them even as good of a decision maker he is or the low turnovers and things like that um but you also have to kind of point towards, you know, what Kentucky's offense was doing. Oscar Sheway is in the paint every possession. They had Keon Brooks, um, Jacob Toppin, and, and and Ware out there kind of standing in the short corner. So you look on multiple possessions, there would be three, four guys in the paint, and that's a little bit more difficult to kind of, to kind of get there. But, um, yeah, there's just kind of a, a number of different factors. I just think that he's a really good player and somebody that I would like to have on a team and then kind of, you know, be able to kind of experiment with how much he can play on and off the ball. And um, yeah. 
I was a bit down on him initially, but my last two mock drafts, I've pushed him into the back, very back end of the lottery. So I am looking at that Kentucky situation, Kentucky history, um, the dearth of guards and the importance of guards in the NBA. So I have pushed him up over my last couple of mock drafts for a number of these factors that, that we've talked about here. We're going to talk about a guy that you're lower on in just a sec. But before we do that, it's time for me to tell you guys about Price Picks, which is, of course, Daily Fantasy made easy. It's not just for the NBA. You can do all other sports, but for the NBA, with the NBA Finals Game 6 coming up in a couple of days' time, Price Picks might be something you want to check out. It's easy. You pick two to five players, and they have their over-under for their projections, whether that's a points or threes or rebounds, whatever. You just go in and go, all right, over-under, bang, I'm done. Push those players together into one entry, and you can win up to 10 times your entry free. It's fast. It's safe. It's easy. What more could you ask for? It's not just NBA as well. You can combine NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, college sports, when all those restart again, and put them all into one entry. And for a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point, but you must use that code NBA, that's right. It's an exclusive offer for Locked On fans. Sign up today. Use the code NBA. 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, Price Picks, it's daily fantasy made easy. All right, let's talk about guys or a guy that you are a little bit lower on than others, and that is Mark Williams, the seven foot two center, 21 years of age, or he will be 21 um, in the first month or two of the season. Seven foot two center from Duke. Um, routinely mocked at the end of the lottery in that 13 to 15 zone with Charlotte having those picks because obviously they've had a need at center for about 10 years, it feels like. He's a, he is a sophomore. Um, he had he played 24 minutes a night, average 11 and 7, almost three blocks per game. But a lot of a lot of hype for him came after the combine with some of the measurements with a 7-7 wingspan, which is obviously insanely high. So... In terms of you being a little bit more down on him, is it because you don't think that he should be a lottery player because of um, you know, what he the, the strengths he's bringing? Maybe you're not as high on those, or it's the fit of him in the modern NBA where you wouldn't want to waste a lottery pick on maybe someone with such limited offensive ability or maybe limitations in defensive switchability. Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of both. Um, you look at sort of you know what you kind of want out of that lottery level uh big man um and obviously he's going to bring the rim protection you know seven seven wingspan nine nine standing reach like that's ridiculous um he's going to bring somebody who is a high level finisher has good touch and also a lob threat potential vertical spacer as well um but you know on the flip side of that is he really bringing you much um as a playmaker um, it's not somebody who you're going to really throw the ball into and tell him to go get you a bucket as a score. Um, and also doesn't, hasn't really shown much, um, as a shooter either. So you kind of have those factors. And also like what you mentioned before, um, somebody who in terms of like scheme versatility is somebody who's going to be a mostly drop big. Now he is mobile enough to maybe be up to the level on screens and, and things like that. And, you know, had some great moments out to like 15, 18 feet kind of defending guards and, and, and holding his own because that length is a great equalizer in a lot of situations. But, you know, when we're talking lottery and then kind of comparing him with like a guy like Jalen Duran, who does have those flashes of playmaking and um, is a better athlete um, in a lot of ways and, and has some, uh, some other aspects to his game. That's just not there in the same ways. Now, for Charlotte specifically, I don't really mind it 
because like you mentioned, like they do need a big man and somebody who brings sort of that value in terms of rim protection in a way that they just haven't had for really a long time, really ever. Um, so I wouldn't mind it particularly in that situation, 13 or 15, but um, when you start seeing places where they're, they're mocking him at nine or, you know, to the Knicks and, and things like that, I start to get, you know, a little bit more pause on that. And I just don't really, um, you know, I just don't really value him in that way in the same way. So there are people who uh, in mocks or comparisons will say they prefer him over Jalen Duran. I, I can't get behind that at all. And I'm, I'm guessing you can't see a world in which that would be something that you would want to do either. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I just think Duran has shown more in terms of upside. He's younger as well, um, a better vertical athlete, um, you know, a, a ton of different things. Doesn't have the measurables. He's not stepping two uh, in shoes with the, you know, 9-9 standard reach and, and things of that nature. But um, I think there's just a lot more to his game and a little bit more upside that you would want for a lottery level big man. So that's kind of the reason that um, I turn towards Duran. One thing we always want to look at with, with big men is, is there any any stretchability in the offense? And he did hit 73% of his free throws, which is not absolutely elite, but it's also really solid and really serviceable. Is there any ability for him to be able to take a uh, long to mid-range face-up jumper? Can he stretch out and hit corner threes eventually? Or is he just going to be a, hey, I'm catching lobs and, and dump off sort of player? Yeah, I think I would bet that he's a, you know, just lob rim runner type of guy. But he did, you know, hit several mid-range jumpers throughout the season. I, he hit this one Dirk fade in the tournament um, that – and the free throw percentage, like you said, that are pretty suggestive to, like, maybe he's able to shoot. Um, but, like, from this vantage point, there's no way you can put, like, a ton of real stock into that with such low volume and we've never really seen it. Um but it's kind of like in your back pocket, like, okay, maybe maybe he's able to shoot it if you're in an or NBA organization. It's something that you kind of, you know, try to try to water the seed. But other than that, I wouldn't place too much stock into it. We're going to talk about a point guard coming up next. But before I get in to talk about that, it's time for me to tell you about Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports development. Sports developments, in fact, over at Bet Online, including news and odds for the NBA Finals, the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, MMA, UFC, boxing, everything. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website today that's betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action, and you can go and check to see that the Boston Celtics are three and a half point favorites for game six of the NBA Finals. Not sure about that one. They've looked a little bit rough the last couple of games, but Bet Online is, of course, where the game starts. Let's go to a point guard, Keandre. Older point guard, Mississippi State. We're looking at Iverson Molinar, 23 years of age, so obviously a lot older. Um, six foot three point guard who has got some pretty rough shooting numbers from last season, 25% from three, but he got to the line a ton. He hit a ton of those, 87%. Um, pretty solid yeah, assist uh, assist numbers, assist to turnover ratio, not terrible, scored pretty well. He's probably never going to profile as a starting point guard in the NBA. He's more of a second round guy, but is there... Is there a case for him to be a solid early to mid-second round player, or is it just someone that you think is just not going to be able to cut it on an NBA roster? 
Yeah, so I kind of view him as more of that sort of mid to late second round type of pick. Um, I thought he helped himself, you know, a decent amount at the combine and the combine scrimmages. You know, he's that talented scorer and creator. He's really um, has good pace and, and abilities in the pick and roll. Um, one of the best floaters in the draft um, by a good margin. Um, you know, he's quick, he's shifty, he's got good speed, he moves his well, feet well defensively, even though he's more of a, a slider frame type of guy. Um, but like you said, you know, kind of that, that shooting is going to be a huge swing factor for him. If the shooting never really comes around in a big way, I think he was over two in that second scrimmage and didn't shoot one in the first game. So, um, and then obviously shot 25% last year. The thing that was interesting is he shot over 40% in his second year. So there's some sort of variance there. Kind of, you kind of got to see what's going on with him um, on that front. But um, yeah, you know, I think he's, he's worth at least a flyer, depending on the team, the situation, you need some depth, um, a potential piece in that uh, sort of, um, kind of combo guard role. I'm not 100% sure that he's ever going to be kind of that that natural point guard. I think he's just more um, wired to score and also just kind of the, the assists and um, taking care of the ball is something that he needs to work on a little bit as well, But and also um, finishing at the basket. So it's just kind of a, a more of a, a flyer, in, in my opinion. That's what I would say. I'm glad you brought up the three-point percentage from his sophomore year because he shot 43.6%, which is if we had a hitter come out after that year, we'd go, man, look at that shooting number. Like That's fantastic. Then he goes back and shoots 25%. And he took the same amount of attempts, basically, 101 versus 107, but it was 17 made threes different. 44 made threes as a sophomore and 27 as a junior. So it's not a gigantic sample size. Like at 17 shots, 17 made baskets over you know, one whole season, over 34 games. So it's like half a, half a three a game. That's, that's all it is that turns him from a 25% shooter to a 44% shooter. So I think when you look at his consistently being 77, 80, 87% from the line, 83% over his entire career in college. Over um, That's a larger sample size, and he's more consistent there. That should give us a little bit indication that he's probably not a 44% three-point shooter, but he's also probably not a 25% three-point shooter. It's a, somewhere in the middle. So again, timing and context and all these things, what 25%, that's disgusting, it's so bad. But hey, it was awesome the year before. So it probably fits somewhere in the middle there, especially when you pair it to the level of touch on floaters and uh, his free throw percentage across those seasons. So we can't rule out that he'll be an average or above average three-point shooter. In fact, it's probably likely that he's at least an above average three-point shooter uh, despite shooting so horribly in college last season. This guy, a little bit younger, we're going to talk about now, and that is the forward from Memphis, Josh Minot, 20 years of age, six foot eight. Now, he also shot a horrific percentage from three, 14%. Really didn't take any at all. That's not really his game. Probably more of an early second round sort of a player. He's 20 years of age, will turn 21 in the second half of the NBA season. One of the big things for me in looking at his numbers, he didn't play that much at Memphis, under 15 minutes, but you, you extract those numbers out to per 36, and there's a ton of steals, and there's a ton of blocks. And those things are really interesting indicators for player success level heading into the NBA. What is his, like the offensive stuff's not fantastic, obviously. What is his sort of level of play? Are we looking at like a Jared Vanderbilt level of offensive nothing, but really good defensive stuff um, at that forward spot? Is that the sort of archetype, I guess, as a player for, for Josh? Yeah, he's kind of this, you know, just natural elite athlete, somebody who's going to make a lot of 
um, create a lot of events on defense. You know, like you kind of alluded to, that steal rate was at 3.1%, block rate of 5.4, both really off the charts for somebody who, um, you know, just coming into college. And I really thought a lot of the time at Memphis, you know, he could have deserved more minutes um, this season. Obviously, they had a lot of weird things going on in the early parts of the season and um, kind of went with some of those veterans, especially once DeAndre Williams came back um, from injury. But, yeah, he's kind of this guy who, you know, he's going to have to probably shoot it a little bit to, to get the most value in the half court offensively. But I think, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good cutter. He's got a high motor. Obviously, that athleticism is going to help him out a lot around the basket. Um, my thing with him is, like, if we can get him into a situation that has, you know, potentially like a Miami that has a BAM out of bio or – um, Sacramento with DeMontis Sabonis, somebody that he can play off of and, and cut off of um, and kind of get to move in, set some screens, roll to the basket, use that athleticism, at least in his first you know couple of years as he gets acclimated and is able to play and cuts out some of those defensive lapses. I think that there's somebody that can be a really um, big threat, a Jokic, <clears throat> a Jokic also, um, somebody who could be a really big threat and, and you know, find his way in the league. I was just about to say, what about Denver? They've just traded yeah. Jermichael Green, who is playing backup four, backup five. Um, they did draft Jared Vanderbilt all those years ago into that role. And yeah, I just love putting guys who are cutters next to Nikola Jokic because yeah, he's obviously the best guy at finding those cutters, uh, breaking to the basket. And, and he's in it. I don't, you know, pick 21 they have is maybe too high, but yeah, they just traded for pick 30. Could Is that too high for, for Josh? I think that's. I think that's fine, sort of in his general range. Like, maybe you could say it's a little bit too high as mock, sort of in that 40s range, early 40s range most consistently. But once we start getting into those 30s, it's pretty much like if this is the organizational fit, this is the type of guy that you want in that archetype, then I think that's a, a pretty fine pick there at 30. This is completely like off topic, but I don't know how you feel, but whenever I watch a Memphis game, I, I can't with their court. I, that the blue court, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching slam ball. I just, I, I, you flick it on, you go, what, what is going on with this court? And it just bothers me. Does it, does it impact you? Or have you just so like attuned to seeing it that you're just like, oh, it's fine. I, I can't with it. I just cannot deal with looking at that blue court. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's one of those weird ones. Like Oregon is that way for me. Um, you know, watching a lot of Oregon games, the the whole tree situation is yeah. like kind of throws things off. But I, I get it a hundred percent. It's like the the Boise State thing in oh, football. Oh my football yeah. Too, so, yeah, forgot about that Boise State one. Yeah, that's that's crazy as well. Um, all right, let's go to a, another big man here. We're going out to Fresno State, Orlando Robinson. Again, a guy that's probably a second round player, six eleven center. He's a junior. He is about to turn twenty two as well. But a lot of the statistical stuff from him is really interesting. He averaged 19 and 8 in 33 minutes. He hit 35% of his threes on three attempts per game. He averaged over a steal, or he averaged a steal over a block, almost three assists per game as well. Everything there goes, okay, well, they are all massive numbers. Good threes, good assists, good rebounds, good blocks, good steals, good scoring, efficient stuff, but probably only like a back-end second-round guy maybe doesn't get drafted at all. Are all of these numbers um, to do with size and age and bullying and teammates and conference and all that sort of stuff? Or is there a legitimate NBA upside here? There is some NBA upside here. I think part of it is sort of the style of play that we see with some big men as sometimes, you know, throw it in the post, let him work. I, he's he's a pretty skilled big man. You know, he does a lot of things. He might even handle it at sometimes, shows off his spin move, um, pretty good finisher. Um, like you said, can stretch it out a little bit. But 
you know, playing in the Mountain West, there is a little bit of an advantage on his um, in his favor, just being able to to do what he was able to do, his style of play. Everything was kind of run through him in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, like there there's some NBA upside there if he can really stretch the floor. And you know, he's a, a pretty solid passer, and um, you know, has has some of those guard skills. I think that there's potentially a place for him. Now, the thing, the biggest thing with him is defensively, he's going to be able to hold up and and play, you know, um, different different co- coverages on the perimeter, and also kind of protect the rim in, in a better way and be have better awareness on that front. Um, might not even block the shot, just having to be in the right spot or seeing the play develop is one of the bigger things for him. But um, and also athletically, that's a that's another huge thing. I think he was. Um, you know, one of the last guys in the, in the, in the sprint. And also I think he had the lowest vertical at the combine. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some stuff there offensively. I think it's just the athleticism and the defense that's really going to kind of dictate, dictate his NBA future. And it's the main reason why he's more of that late second round undrafted than a potential, maybe like early second round type of guy. So when we talk about his defensive limitations, whenever we think defensive limitations and centers, I'm always just going to go to NS freedom. Like, is this, is this this level of defensive unplayability or defensive unversatility? Oh no, no, um, <laughs> not not that level of of, of um, incapability uh, on the perimeter and things of that nature. But um, you know, he might not have the same type of energy on the glass as as Ennis did in his best and um, kind of finishing at the rim. So, um, but it's also kind of a case by case thing. Like once certain players are in the league, it's a little bit tougher to, to get them out like if they're a veteran they've been around here they do certain things as well um, might not be as enticing for a you know rookie big man to kind of grow that in, in that way but um, definitely not as at that level let's go to the last guy another big man uh, this one an international big man Yannick Nzoza the 19 year old 6 foot 10 center from Malaga over in Spain he's originally from the DRC his numbers, uh, it, I don't know how to read them because they're, they're, they're shocking. 10 minutes a game, two points, 38% shooting as a 6'10 center. Now, of course, playing in Spain, playing in these you know, top-level leagues, um, these unless you're Luka Doncic, you don't really get the opportunity to run a team or be the number one guy, and he's a, a bit part player. So hard to project through these stats. Uh, and those is a guy that I've heard his name for a few years, but these numbers would make me think there's no way that this is NBA caliber stuff. Okay, can you look? Is this an NBA caliber player? Is this just a hey? You were never going to contribute to wins at the age of eighteen in in the Spanish league, so therefore you don't play, which is what we've seen from so many of these guys. And there's someone that I'm just completely blanking on the guy that went to Houston last season. The uh, what's his, his name? Oh, Usman Garuba. Yes, Usman Garuba, who played about eight minutes a night or whatever it was in the Spanish league as well. Is Enzosa sort of at, at that level of of prospect? Can he be that? guy who's just been marginalized because of the realities of the European leagues? He's the guy that I definitely think of the, the most often. Um, I think Garuba was a little bit more advanced in terms of defensive awareness and, and coverages, but in so- Sosa is like a terrific athlete, 6'10", with a 7'6", wingspan, um, springy athlete in, the, in a way that uh, Garuba just isn't. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's just a a general uncertainty around him and he's just kind of this like 
project pick who I think if he does work out, it'll be in, in two or three years, getting him to, to get acclimated to NBA system and just kind of his overall feel for the game in a lot of situations. Offensively, he's just not really there, like, and in, in any real form or fashion. Um, he doesn't really have, like, a natural spot. He's still a little bit slight of frame. Um, not really that, that inside type of score, but also not – he's not someone who can shoot or has those ball skills out there either um, or is, like, a great decision maker. Garuba was a better decision maker on short rolls and things like that. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it's going to be – it's going to take some time, but the, the team that, you know, takes a chance on him, whether that be in the late second round or if that's in um, – you know, the on a two-way deal or, or whatever, whatever um, it may be. Uh, it's going to be kind of a process, patience with him. Is he a guy that's going to stay in Europe, do you think, for a year or two? And for teams like the San Antonio Spurs, who have three first-round picks and probably don't have room for those three guys on their roster, is there is there enough upside in him to be like, hey, we'll take you in our, with our pick late 20s and you stay in Europe for two years and then come over in a couple of seasons? Or is that just, yeah, that, that's is that too high for him? I would be surprised. I would I'd probably be shocked if they took him in the first round. Um, I don't put anything past the Spurs, and maybe I, I'd end up being wrong on this front, but um, I just don't know if you would want to gamble on somebody who's, you know, seemingly that far away. I mean, he could, he could possibly potentially stay overseas. Um, I think there's been, like, some sort of things. I'm not 100% well-versed on what has been going on with him lately. I think there was, like, a... Um, some talks about transferring clubs potentially, or they had kept uh, him out from. Yeah, I think he has trans because he played. Um, I think he's at Malaga now, but he played at Unica- Unicaya. Um, yeah. Last year, so I think he has moved across to Malaga. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just there's a lot of different things going on over there, and um, I think that it could be a viable option for a player like him. You know, like what we were saying, it's going to take some time and patience, but. Um, I'd be surprised if it ended up in the first round. I'm just trying to read through this stuff on the on this team stuff with him at the moment, and sometimes reading the names of these Spanish teams is tough. Uh, and I'm, now I'm like looking: is Unicaya and Malaga the same? I think they might be, but I'm not certain. So anyone here who's really in in depth with Unicaya and Malaga is it the same club? Maybe it is. I don't know. Let us know. But we're looking at uh, Yannick Nzoza as an NBA prospect. So it'll be interesting to see. He is he has a guy that I've heard about for a few years, and that always makes my ears prick up just to think, oh, maybe there's something there with him. But you're right. He probably is more of a second-round player. Keandre, thanks for coming on and chatting with me about all of these NBA draft prospects, potential picks, giving us your thoughts on those guys. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, go and do that. It's Hoop Intellect. What have you got uh, being posted recently over on the channel? Yeah, so today there's a Ty Ty Washington video coming up. Um, recently did one on both him and, and Mark Williams and, uh, you know, a lot of different other players. I can't really remember. There's a lot of lot going on right now, draft time. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on. Keandre's videos are great. You can go and check out. He's got so many prospect videos, strengths, weaknesses, all of that sort of stuff. So go and check it out there. And thank you for coming on Locked on Fantasy Basketball with me, Keandre. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me on. And that will do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb us up. Leave a comment down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.